I always find that doing this intro in a relaxed situation, quiet room, just leaning back on the couch, so much better than trying to do it standing up. So just to paint a picture for you while I'm sitting on my comfy couch while Lucky Number 11 plays in the background as I do this. Uh, welcome to The Real Debaters, everybody. I'm Michael Petro, your host and one of the debaters on the show. We are supported by Proper Design Works, a custom clothing and embroidery manufacturer in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, my hometown, where this is being recorded from as I speak. Uh, Chris Goatsman and his team of wizards at Proper Design Works can do so many things with so much clothing. It's ridiculous. Uh, if you're in Winnipeg and you're, you're looking to enhance your closet with something cool and new and custom designed for you, uh, they have that option. And then, I mean, if you're a sports team looking for you know, a new cool sweater to chug some beer in after the game. If you're a charity looking to get some stuff to uh, sell to raise some money for a good cause, you can buy hoodies and sweaters for that too. You can, you can buy clothing for almost anything these days. Uh, new new company, need some swag, throw in for some giveaways. They can help you out with that too. Uh, you, you pay them. They don't give it to you, just so we're clear. Uh, anyways, uh, please go uh, and find these guys online. You can find them on Instagram, at Proper Design Works. they got all their work up there for you to take a look at. And their email is info at properdesignworks.com. Again, that is info at properdesignworks.com. If you want to start a conversation, thank you, Chris. We appreciate the support. Uh, first thing to mention, we have a new series planned for you guys. Uh, it is The Real Debaters Goes to the Movies. That's its working title right now, I guess. Uh, what we're doing is we paired up with the Park Theater in Winnipeg, and uh, starting April 20th, we're going to be doing live recordings from their cult movie nights. They do about one or two of those a month. So we're picking like the hardcore cult movie night. What's the first movie we're doing? An American Werewolf in London. The original, right, where all of the crazy transformation took place, where some of the most ridiculous movie makeup was ever invented and, and, and shown to us uh, lovely fans of movies. So we're going to be starting that. We're going to be trying to do about one of those a month, maybe more if we can. So again, like I said, starting April 20th, we'll be podcasting live at the Park Theater before the movie starts. If you want to come on the show, send us an email at therealdebaters at gmail.com. Uh, we can work that out with you. We'd love for anybody who's got some love of the movie to come on. And it'll be about, you know, the history of the movie and cult films and what its effect has on its fans. Like, that'll be the conversation that you guys can look forward to. So we're super stoked about that. So thank you to the Park Theater for for teaming up with us and uh, letting us go to the movies. Right? So cheesy. Anyways, moving on. Uh, the merch stand uh, is up. You can find us at uh, designbyhuman.com. Slash, I'm always going to fuck this up. Designbyhuman.com slash shop slash the prop shop. Uh, our hoodies, t-shirts, uh, some of the cool gizmos and gadgets are there for you guys to check out. If you want to support the podcast, that is a great way to do so. Again, that is uh, designbyhumans.com slash shop slash the prop shop. I should have thought of a better fucking title for this. There's just too many, too many tongue twisters in there. Uh, lastly, today, it's another real talk for you guys. And I'm so excited for this. This is the second interview in a series that we've also now figured out a title for called uh, Manitobans Making Movies. Uh, our province, Manitoba, is uh, over the years become a hot spot for uh, filming 
in this city and in this province and and using it as a lot of other places as does you know what happens when you film on on location but uh there is a lovely huge talented group of manitoba film professionals in this province and uh we started with bj a couple a couple episodes back bj Varro, local manitoba stuntman uh this interview is with doug morrow uh, from Character Illusions, uh, he's a makeup artist, and he's been in the industry for close to, if I'm, I'm pretty sure, forty years. He's worked on Jumanji. He's worked on Happy Gilmore. The stories this man has. We were just sitting here enamored by it. It was so great. Doug was so much fun. Uh, just a wealth of knowledge. So if you are a big fan of movie makeup, this is a podcast for you. If you're a big fan of movies and just how they're made in general, it's it's also. Um, a great podcast, in my opinion, to listen to. So without further ado, I will cue the reel, and you enjoy the show. star is that <laughs> no yeah yeah okay i was yeah. i get my dates mixed up sometimes that's right. okay <laughs> yeah how the, come i wasn't invited to that one <laughs> doug darkly <laughs> yeah. that rolled that's off perfect. the tongue a little too quick it does, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like it's like if he ever does switch from one side of the camera to the other right. he's yeah. got his name ready to go oh yeah um so doug thank you so much for coming by today and talking with us so let's like I like most people, I figure the best place to start at any at anything with this is to start at the beginning. So l- when did you find out that you had an itch for this, for doing makeup? Like what 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 was the first thing that went, hmm, I should maybe can you know when I was really young and I'm talking like five or six, I always loved movies. I loved TV. But movies especially, I just always have had a fascination for it. Um, so I don't remember a time when I haven't loved film Okay. and I, I loved monster movies. So back then this Ooh, is, yeah. you know, this is the early to mid seventies. <laughs> um, the monster movies back then were the original Dracula, the original Frankenstein, the creature from the black lagoon, the Wolfman, that kind of stuff. And I used to buy this magazine called famous monsters of Filmland. Oh, nice. Um, and so I just. I don't know why I just gravitated towards these creatures and it just always fascinated me. And I knew, I knew I really wanted to do it when I was in grade four and I was eight. And, uh, I don't know if you guys are old enough or if they had it when you were kids, the scholastic book club. Yes. Yeah. So the little, the little, uh, your parents would order books for you. Yeah. 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 So and the little the catalog book fair and everything, the yeah. little, uh, the little catalog, the newsprint catalog would come every month or something. And, uh, there was this book that I saw called Movie Monsters. And I was like, ah, Mom, let's get this book. And I still have the original copy. And it was kind of divided in three parts. It talked about famous monsters of the movies. And then um, the second part was how to do the makeup. Oh. And I was like, this is Sweet. really cool. Wow. I love this. I I just have to do this. And 
Like the, that's the, where it uh, like a step by step sort of instructional or yeah, it, the book was written by a guy named Alan Ormsby who um, he wrote um, I think he wrote Cat People. Cool. Um, but he wrote some horror movies in the seventies and did makeup effects for uh, I think it was Tom Savini really early on like Deranged and um, maybe one other that I can't remember. Um, so he wrote this book, and this guy was a great artist. So he illustrated the whole book. Oh, nice. other than the 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 first section, he used photographs from you know Frank Sign Dracula and all that. Um, so it wasn't really it didn't have step by step pictures. It was text and a you know a drawing of a kid gluing yarn to his face. <laughs> <laughs> Very but, rudimentary. But for me, at eight, this was like gold. Sure. And, uh, so that's where it started. So that Halloween, my brothers helped me. And, they let uh, you practice on them? Is that how you... Uh, no, I, I do it to myself. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So they, they helped me. We glued yarn to my face with eyelash adhesive and painted my nose, the tip of it with my mom's uh, eyebrow pencil and stuff. And I still have <laughs> pictures of it. I can't and, uh, imagine your mother. Like after a while, you're like, can I borrow some of your... No, my, my <laughs> parents are so awesome. They're so supportive. Uh, and that's why I... I I don't know if succeeded is the right word at what I do, but uh, super supportive. And this is a perfect example. I knew uh, about age 10 that um, you could use this product called Dermawax to build up features on your face. And, you know, I was 10. Where do you buy that in Winnipeg? (laughs) But in the basement, we had this stuff I saw in a box called paraffin wax. And I figured (laughs) it's got to be be close to the same thing. Here we go. (laughs) So I I talked to my mom about it. So my mom took a brick of paraffin wax and melted it in a pod and let me take it up to the bathroom. And I put it on my face. And this is like molten wax <laughs> and i put it on my face and i looked like vincent price from house of oh, wax no. <laughs> that that is how awesome my parents uh were in supporting this oh that that is super cool yeah. i'm just thinking of my own mother and she did i'd have 12 no's before even a consideration <laughs> to let me do something oh yeah like no that. and and so the second makeup book i ever got was this other one it was called makeup monsters and how i got that was uh, it was 1977 and i have a memory just for all this crap so put your memory out there for us so uh my dad and i were at paul parkett and uh he loved books and he instilled in me this love of reading which i still have to this day so we were at cole's and uh they had a novelization of the 1977 film version of the island of dr moreau oh, which nice. i loved and by then i knew who john chambers was the guy who did the makeup for planet of the apes and that was like planet of the apes was my whole Life. If I'm not mistaken, that was like one of your big... It was. Planet yeah. of the Apes was the big thing. When we when I first saw that, when it was broadcast on TV in 1973, it was like, yeah, I have to do this. I am seven, and I don't know how, <laughs> but I'm going to do this. So when The Island of Dr. Moreau came out, John Chambers um, did the makeup for it, like the creatures. So I saw this novelization of the book, and I said, Dad, can you buy this? And he was like, yeah, reading, yeah. It didn't matter what it was, read. It was a book. So... <laughs> We're, we're driving home, and uh, my dad says, uh, you might want to look in that bag because there's something else in there that I saw that you might like. And I pulled it out, and it's, it's this book, Makeup Monsters. And it was, you know, very rudimentary uh, makeup book for kids on how to do different monsters like Dracula and the Wolfman and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that was my parents. And my dad was a doctor, and my parents were very 
you know, you got to go to school and get an education. And but they were also very supportive of the arts. And so, what you're telling me is your father was Doctor Moreau. That's correct. Yes, <laughs> yeah. he was. He was Doctor Moreau. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Art imitating life. Yeah. For I, real. I so wish that he was turning animals into men in our basement. It Let's do never some happened. Hybrid surgery here. Yeah. But uh, oh. so so you know I come by it honestly that my parents knew that I had this interest and and fostered it. That's fantastic. That actually, it's funny that around that same age as you talk about kids playing, and I recall vividly my aunt was uh, who I who raised me for much of my life. um, Did cake decorating, and she had this these powdered um, cake colors, yeah, you know, food colorings and Mm -hmm. things. But she had this red powdered coloring that I discovered you mix up with water and a thing, and it really looks like blood. Yeah, and I remember having this stuff in my mouth t- like I found my dad's Polaroid camera and I remember taking pictures we didn't have a movie camera at that time but yeah. we did these little I-, I was into acting around that same age and I kind of pursued that for a lot of my life um, but I always wanted to be the one you know doing dressed it. up doing the part yeah. but yeah the same thing with in the kitchen lab mixing up all these <laughs> oh, yeah. things to try to make it gory that's yeah. fantastic I think I think yeah like I remember doing a volcano project for grade six science fair and then when you start to realize how to make you know foam with baking soda and and then you add food coloring to it i think we all have that like Ooh, they move slime and blood <laughs> exactly, and, yeah you know like it's it's the, it, it's very childlike at first oh, and then yeah. i feel if like like you said like you had this itch at seven yeah it, that kind of is gonna definitely dictate the rest of your career so so you get this you get these books you you have these very supportive parents where, where do you really start hammering down going, you know, like, unless you're Jesus, you know, and you know, the rest of your life is <laughs> yeah. planned out for you. But like, where do you start making the plans to learn uh, and, and pursue this craft and, and find a place that, that teaches it? Um, you know, I was always educating myself. I'd go to the library at junior high school and they had this book that every makeup artist read called uh, course in stage makeup. Um, you know, that was really back in the late 70s, early 80s, the really only information and then um, that I was aware of, you know. Uh, in 1981 or 82, I found this book called Techniques of Three-Dimensional Makeup. So by now I'm like 16, 17, and um, it's written by this makeup artist in New York, um, and it's all illustrated with pictures and it was all how to do prosthetics and it was like mm. professional stuff. And there was, um, a lot of information from this makeup artist named Dick Smith who did the makeup for the exorcist and the Godfather. And this guy was one of my heroes. And, uh, you know, back in the late seventies, I knew he did this movie called little big man where he aged Dustin Hoffman to 121 year old man. <laughs> Crazy. And I used to, uh, original Benjamin Button just yeah. in forward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I used to, you know, I, I didn't tell my parents this till years later, but I'd go through, they knew I went through the TV guide that came in the free press every Saturday, and I'd look oh, through those all the, the days. all through the movies to see one of planted. TV the, what? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was there with the pens, yeah, circling. the highlighter. <laughs> so I would, I would go through it every Saturday to see if one of Planet of the Apes was on, because that was my fascination. But one time I saw this, I was about 13, and it said Little Big Man, and I knew that Dick Smith had done this movie. So, and this is unbeknownst to my parents, and I did this for years, is that they would go to sleep, and I would sneak downstairs and watch these movies, like, in the basement. (laughs) Uh, That a boy. At, like, 2 in the morning, you know, when I had to get up and go to school. 
and I saw this movie and it was like that can't be that can't be makeup that looks like a real like a super old guy and then you know in in learning later on that yes in fact it was Dustin Hoffman and oh, this wow. guy created this amazing makeup so I was always educating myself and still do it to this day um can I ask you something cuz it mm-hmm. f- from the research that like I I tripped over the fascination like I was telling you before the show going like I, movie makeup has always been something I think everybody kind of has a like the big question is how do they make the blood right and like, yeah you know like those those kind of questions for 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 us laymen's yeah um but I guess go away phone um it it just seems that everybody found that book right like all the greats have found a book yeah. I'm calling you a great. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, and they found a book, and that that tipped off their desire and their love for this. But it doesn't seem like there's like the school to go to, right? Or the the like you you just have to do it, mm-hmm. and then you know crash and burn a couple times and realize paraffin wax may not be the best thing to put on my face. Exactly. But, yeah. You know, you figure it out. Yeah. Is that safe to say? I think uh, like all the old timers, I don't think they went to school, right? They just taught themselves and learn and and all that. When I was um, probably 18, I started to see in back of Fangoria magazine um, advertisements for schools in L.A. So I wrote to them and just to see what their requirements were or whatever. And um, and part of it was you had to, you know, you got to do beauty makeup. I was like, I don't want to do beauty makeup. I want to <laughs> I want to turn people into apes and <laughs> Wookiees and stuff like that. Can I get past 101 and get yeah. to the good shit? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But by then, I'd already been practicing enough. Like, by then, I was already making stuff out of foam latex. Like, when I was 14, I cast my brother's face. Sweet. And I still yes. have it. Life mask. Wow. And I wish um, I had your brother. You as a brother. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? You know, so I was already... I was already playing around with like cold foam which is two component foam that you mix together and expands and when i was 10 i used to have i had these planet of the apes dolls and i used to take the heads off them and as you do as you do <laughs> they were made out of some kind of plastic and uh if you bought a carton like a little carton of like tang or something it had that little cup that little scoop mm-hmm. yeah so i used to fill that scoop with plaster and then I would take the planet of the ape head and I would submerge the front oh half of it oh. into it to make a mold. And then I would squeeze, because my dad bought me tubes of uh, liquid latex from Malabar's here in town. And I would squeeze it in there. So I was making stuff out of rubber, you know, at age 10, because wow. I knew that's how they... A foam out of a tang cup. Well, wow. it, was, it wasn't foam. It was just liquid latex. Oh, sorry, yeah. it, took, it took me years to understand the technology of the positive and the negative and then what is this mysterious foam latex stuff yeah um you hear a lot about foam la- like foam latex is kind of a major component not so anymore not anymore okay no all right we'll discuss kind of what we <laughs> use later but okay yeah but foam latex um was like this mysterious you know the planet of the apes faces were made out of it and it was like gold so uh so anyway i've been you know i i was always playing around with this and um but I, I wrote to some of these schools in the mid-'80s. Um, but also in the mid-'80s, in 1985, this great makeup artist, Dick Smith, uh, who's one of my heroes, and he had just won an Oscar for Amadeus, started a advanced professional makeup course Wow! that mm-hmm. he ran. And you had to send him pictures of your work for him to accept you into this course. So it took me a couple of years before I was... Uh, 
brave enough to send him pictures sure, of yeah. my work. And he said, oh, I, well, the letter that I got, and I still have it, said <laughs> that the first line is, dear Doug, your pictures are not in focus. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not in cinematography. I, I think, I'm trying to be in makeup. No, no. Cut me some slack, Dick. I think Dick's glasses were dirty that day or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, but he said, but I can see enough to satisfy me that I was able to deal with this course. And what was really cool about that was, um, so I was I went to university and, you know, I was trying to be something. And uh, I would go home and go in the basement and I had a little makeup lab and I was, you know, my parents thought I was studying and I was like making stuff. <laughs> so in my grades like really- Like your biology textbook, you've got Fangoria <laughs> exactly, inside. Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody yeah. else has Playboy and I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, look at that. You know, so after a couple of years of university, I sat my parents down and said, look, I just, I really need to try and figure out how to do this and at least try. And my parents were like, okay, sure. So I quit university and I got a job and um, I spent three or four months creating these prosthetic makeups and Halloween was coming up. Perfect. My dad, we got everybody. I, I did three Planet of the Apes makeups and my, uh, my brother, I made him up as Vincent from that Beauty and the Beast show with Ron Perlman. Yes. Yes. And I did a couple of zombies <laughs> and uh, my dad photographed them all. And they were in focus. Don't worry, Dad. <laughs> and uh, and we sent them to Dick. And two weeks later, he sends me back this outline of the course and accepting me as a That's student. Awesome. Yeah. So that was my real education. Okay. Was was Dick Smith's course? This yeah. is amazing to me that all this is taking place in the '80s, where you you have to look at the back of a book. You know, a magazine to find this out, and you yeah. have to do a hand handwritten letter, Jimmy. Oh uh -huh. yeah, he's wondering why it took two <laughs> weeks what? to respond to the email. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> why didn't you just use a YouTube tutorial? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you actually had to work to get this stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. And where to find yeah. the stuff that you were playing around with? I mean, where do you find that at that age, and how do you even know where it exists? Well, I mean, you know, I was a super nerd and stuff, so Fangoria and Famous Monsters of Filmland and. Cinefex and those, you know, those were the, 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 the things that we the learned Bibles. from. Yeah. So were you ordering stuff from the back of these so, magazines? Yeah. And... So about this time too, there was um, some uh, people in LA that started producing videotapes on how to do this stuff. So I was ordering those, and you know that was that was also my real education. And this was a couple of years before Dick's course. Okay. And so I was ordering these videotapes, you know, VHS videotapes. <laughs> and uh, Betamax. And just as, yeah, well, my friend had Betamax, and it was better, I think. But, uh, that, that ends that argument. Yeah. Uh, so just getting whatever information I could. And it was, like, back then it was hard. We didn't have the Internet. We didn't have YouTube. You had to actively search this out any way, shape, or form. You know, I would watch Entertainment Tonight every night, to see what was going to be on in case they would have Rick Baker or Stan Winston right. or Dick oh, Smith, yeah. and I would tape them, and I built up this library just to get any information that I could. Man, gone are the days. Yeah. Like, I figured out how to make a phone call on the podcast on YouTube. Yeah. Right? And, like, if that hadn't been there, I'd, I, I, something in this room probably would have been broken. Right? Because yeah. yeah. you just you don't have the, – the patience is gone that you obviously had to have – to learn but we didn't know any different you didn't, right? yeah no. exactly yeah right? totally if so you wanted yeah. to write somebody you wrote them a letter and stuck in the mailbox and 
And if you wanted to see a movie, you looked in the guide to see if they were playing it sometime because yeah. that's the only way that to see it. That was the only movies. way to see it, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So you have played for a couple of years. You've got these magazines. You've got this 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 skill set that you're trying to build. You get in with Dick. What happens after Dick Smith? Like, where does... Where do we? You've, you've you've completed a course. Do you then jump in well, and the, start sending your resume out? The course or? the course took a year. Okay, like it was Dick sending you lessons, and it wasn't really a course. Like I didn't do stuff and send it to him. Um, and it took a year. He would mail you. He's kind of like a mentor. It sounds yeah. Like, would that and his course is actually more like a book. Okay, so every two weeks you would get in the mail. Uh, a chapter of the book, which might have been... Um, well, this guy's a good businessman. One chapter mm-hmm. a week. Yeah. <laughs> Life casting and mold making or sculpting or or whatnot. And um, so in there as well, I did go to Vancouver and I took a very basic makeup course, a three-week ma- basic makeup course because I figured I need to learn just regular Is makeup, this the beauty makeup, beauty makeup stuff? stuff okay, all right. Which was terrifying. Um so that was, you know, in what again, way was it terrifying? Just beauty makeup. I was like, I knew <laughs> nothing about it at all. I, by then I knew how to make foam rubber and glue it on people and paint it rudimentary. Like how to do a proper but, eyeliner wing or something was like I mean, way out of your wheelhouse. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Who's the scary. judge of what beauty really is? That's right? true. Like None of us. Not, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Yes. They're from, a, from a makeup artist's mouth. <laughs> None of us are. Damn. Yeah. Uh, so you go to the school. That's one thing, too, I just want to point out about my parents where my dad um, had a love of art and music. And uh, I remember as a kid, he was showing me at different books, and we were looking at um, different art techniques over the years, like over the ages, and um, looking at some paintings by guys in the 1600s um, and then showing me something that was painted in the 1800s and how... The earlier one looked very, it was very beautifully done, but it didn't look like a photograph. And then showing me something in the 1800s where uh, somebody painted something and it looked like a photograph. Or showing me early sculpture compared to like Michelangelo or Mm. whatnot, where they're sculpting in marble and it looks like skin. And you just swear that you could touch it even though it's white marble. Um and just being able to see with your eye those those things which helped immeasurably in in makeup and and so learning how to do the beauty makeup made me just better at everything like right. the prosthetics and the painting and and whatnot i read i read a quote by you that said something like you ha- if you're going to make it in the industry you have to be able to do beauty makeup <laughs> you know something but, you need to know the um, whole industry yeah unless unless uh, you live in LA or some people in Vancouver, Toronto that are very specialized and those centers are busy enough that that if you're lucky and you've been doing it a while, you can make a living just sculpting or, you know, just making fake heads. Um, but I never, I knew that Dick Smith and John Chambers and some of these other guys, like they did just more than they specialized. the prosthetic mm-hmm. stuff. And in the end of their careers, they specialized just in the prosthetics. But in The Exorcist, Dick did all the makeup. He did Ellen... Burston's, you know, makeup and also did her bruised eye when when, when Reagan Reagan, hits her yeah. and also spins Linda Blair's head around oh, and wow. also ages Max von Sydow. Oh wow! And <laughs> cross so discipline. that was that was what I that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to do it all so that I could be like a uh, like a one stop 
shop. You go to Doug Morrow for everything. Well, yeah. So I can get hired now on a show and be in charge of all the makeup, but they'll also hire me to do all the prosthetic stuff. That's so Ooh. great. Yeah. Like a bigger toolbox, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, when, when did you, what was your first movie? When did you first get hired? Like after, like, what was that process like? Jumping? My first, my first real movie was uh, this show with John Ritter called um, "Stay Tuned." That was my first movie. Is that a, is that TV? Nineteen ninety-one. Mo- no, it was a feature. It was a feature, but like, yeah. is it about TV? Yeah, it's about TV. I've seen that. Yeah, I used to watch it a lot as a kid. So that was my. That was <laughs> my. Isn't first... it like? Doesn't life take place inside the TV? My. I... He gets trapped in yes. different different. Uh, iterations of tv shows that we know like star trek or yes. Wayne's world but they're wayne's underworld and whatever so that was my first movie but i had already by 1989 i started to get work here okay in town so i, w- I did some commercials i did rainbow stage i i built the prosthetics for the wizard of oz um and my first kind of regular job was i did what we call moulage makeup which is casualty simulation makeup Okay. For is, okay. For uh, people training lifeguards, so okay. I was employed by the University of Manitoba. <laughs> okay. And every Sunday for five hours, they would train the lifeguards, and they hired me, and they create a situation that the lifeguards in training need to assess. And so we would get together in a room and say, "Okay, Doug, make this guy look like he fell down the stairs and bashed his head, and he's bleeding out of the mouth." And bleeding out of the ears. And then so I do that and we set the situation up and then they release these lifeguards and training into there so they can assess it and see if they properly assess it. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So um, I was a lifeguard for a few years and I'm happy I didn't have to do that. <laughs> like you, oh, God. you imagine here's your exam kids and it's like you've come in to make someone's arm go in a completely yeah. different direction. I'm thinking yeah. when I was getting into acting, how do I get a gig like that to be the, <laughs> yeah. the guy with the head injury? Yeah. yeah. And then so, in the middle of being taken care of, you're like, surprise! I think so, that's the role that's made for you, Mark. Yeah. So 1989 was when I really first started getting paid to to do this kind of stuff. So okay. I did some, you know, a few commercials and, and whatnot, and then uh, moved to Vancouver because they didn't make movies here in Winnipeg. M- Manitoba no. wasn't a hub back then, right? No. Like, okay. I knew they did, you know, like, uh, um, oh, what were those movies you'd see in school and they were done by the something something of Sex Canada? Sex Ed classes? Oh, no, can, no. The oh, Canadian, Canadian Film Board? Canadian Film yeah, Institute yeah. of Canada. Canadian Film Board of Canada and okay. whatnot. You know, they did some things here. And the only movie that I knew that they shot here, they did, um, they shot a week of some Molly Ringwald movie here because they needed winter. Oh, and, and boy, I, do we have that. Yeah. <laughs> in spades. Yeah, in spades. And I, uh, I went down to where they were shooting. It was in River Heights to see if I could get in and talk to the makeup artist and they wouldn't let me they wouldn't let me in. You cannot cross this line. Yeah. yeah. So uh so but so when I moved to Vancouver um because I had taken this Dick Smith course um that already elevated me with the makeup people. And I got a job immediately at this makeup store called Act 1. Okay. Which is right on Robson Street. It's not there anymore. And because I had that job, I got to meet a ton of the makeup people because they would come oh. in to buy stuff. So I would like, hi, my name is Doug Morrow. I'm from Winnipeg. I took Dick Smith's course. Here's my rudimentary <laughs> Here's portfolio. My CD, yeah. You know, will you hire me? <laughs> How can and, I help you today? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
and I, cause and yeah, some of them, you know, they, they, they'd come in, you know, every once in a while and they'd the same ones and they'd roll their eyes and go, like, Doug's here again. Oh my God. Uh, don't need, Doug, we don't need to know how fake blood is made. Just sell it to me. So I've got a new way to do this. Do you want to hear about it? Just yeah. sell it to me. Doug. Yeah. So that was, um, that was how I got him because I took Dick Smith's course. Um, Back then, he was very selective. Like, you had to really show this guy that you could sculpt and make molds and make foam rubber pieces. And um, not that my work was outstanding or anything, but it was, you know, I was the start. You were on the way. I was on the way. And But because of that, um, I started to get work, like, almost immediately when I had, like, next to no experience. Um, so the first actual job I got was... Um, I think it was an episode of Highlander, the TV series, and it was the first. There can only be one. There can be only one. <laughs> one of my favorite movies, by the way. Uh, I needed to make somebody make it look like they grabbed this guy's finger and broke it. Oh, my so God. So they wanted a, a, a prosthetic finger. So I went down to the set, and uh, and I cast this guy's hand with the finger sticking up and then like that, and then I went home, and I, I had this tiny little apartment in downtown Vancouver. Full of chemicals. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I baked it in the oven in there and everything. And so, uh, and back then, too, there was there was hardly anybody who really did that kind of stuff in Vancouver. So I went there at the right time. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, and, and how long did you, you, you've got a, like, I've, your IMDb page is long. Mm-hmm. So how how much time did you spend in Vancouver? Like was that seven years? Seven I think years, it was, yeah. And is that where you kind of solidified the start of everything for you before yeah. you jumped to LA? No, I never went to LA. You never went to LA. No, okay, so I I only I only worked in Vancouver. Okay, and then I moved back to Winnipeg. So but I but I did travel. I I've never worked in LA. Oh, okay, this is interesting. I have worked. I have. I don't know if I should talk about this or not. I did a little bit of work in California, but we, we, you know. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. No, yeah. the governments and all that shit. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Volunteer work. Volunteer I can, work. I can exactly. assure you that nobody of that importance will hear this episode. Okay, so but we can move on. No big right. deal. Um, okay. So then explain to me, um, cause going through your, your, your CV and everything, how are you doing work in Vancouver for all of like, you've got Jumanji. You've got Happy Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Is that being filmed in Vancouver? Okay, yeah. so those movies. See, my love of our love, I think, doesn't go that deep unless we research it. Totally. Right? Like yeah. uh, we're we're all on. Well, I mean, Jimmy, I know is hard in the paint when it comes to what he loves, but I think I can say for me and Mark, <laughs> um, like we we only go as deep as we go. Actually, no, I think I'm the only one because Mark will find a rabbit hole and just keep going down and down yeah. and down yeah. until. He's... Oh yeah, Doug was my rabbit hole uh, for the last couple of days. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so, so was mine too. So I'm but, a little uncomfortable. <laughs> you got three big fans in front of you. Yeah, okay. um, so, so all of this work is being done in Vancouver, and is it being shipped there, or is it being filmed in in uh, in Vancouver? It's being filmed in Vancouver. Okay, all right. Yeah. So, While we're on that topic, I just yeah. want to ask what Happy Gilmore. Mm-hmm. What sort of stuff did you do in there? Because we had like Chubb's fake arm, and we got some, no. The only thing I did <laughs> it was it was one day, and the makeup artist. Um, on the show called me and said we need to make Adam Sandler look like he's been like beaten up with swelling features right. and stuff and I'm like okay sounds really cool and I knew who Adam was just from Saturday Night Live um, Fresh of Pepper <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and she just said you know he just 
he doesn't like to sit for a long time in makeup. So like, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Great. So I, I made these little pieces and I still have the molds. Like these are like, these are like my little holy grail molds of, you know, because <laughs> Happy Gilmore, like I you love You may recognize this scar from. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I built these little pieces like swollen eye and like, uh, maybe a cheek and something else. And I, uh, I glued them on a friend and just, you know, colored it up, see how fast I could do it. And, and, uh, and I could do it about 90 minutes. I was like, I think that should be pretty good. So the day comes and I go out to the set and uh, I meet, uh, Adam, who's like the nicest guy in the whole world. And it's really cool is again, I'm a, like a, you know, movie and TV nut. So Dennis Dugan, I don't know if you guys know who he is, but he's the director and he's directed a lot of Adam's movies and he's also in a lot of Adam's movies. So He's the guy who's it's part of the Happy Madison family. Yeah, right. okay. and he's he and 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 Happy Gilmore. He's the guy who's in charge of the golf. Um, he plays Doug. Yeah, Doug. I think that's his name. <laughs> yeah, that I would remember that. But anyway, <laughs> so that's right. His name is Doug. Yeah. <laughs> Ding! So it was Port really cool for me to meet him because he was on an episode of Mash, oh, which to me was like really yeah. cool. Right. Yeah. I got to work with David Ogden Steers too once, but we'll <laughs> save that for later. Um. So anyway, uh, I show up there and he sits in the chair and it's like, how long is this going to take? And I said, <laughs> that was his first words out of his mouth after high. I said, I th- hopefully Lisa, the makeup artist and I, we're going to both do it. It should take about 70, 75 minutes. He's like, well, that seems kind of a long time, but okay. <laughs> so we're gluing these things on and he's asking me, you know, are you from here or where are you from and how'd you get into this? And and uh, he's asking me all these questions, and then he starts pretending that he's my grandma from Winnipeg, <laughs> and and doing this voice, and, and and how proud she is of me uh, that you know I made it in the movie business. Yeah, you're so good at makeup. And so I'm trying to work, and I'm laughing and laughing, and it's getting to the point where I can't do anything because I I just love <laughs> to laugh, and I'm just kind of backing away and laughing and trying to do it, and um. And then it starts to take a little longer than the time that he Uh-oh. said. And he's like, are you, are you almost done yet? And I go, no, not quite. And then he'd do, oh, Doug, I'm so proud of you and all this. <laughs> and uh, so so oh. finally he's going, okay, you got to be done. And I said, you know what? If you just shut up and just not make me laugh, <laughs> then we can finish. And he's like, okay. And then he just kept making me laugh. Yeah. Anyway, we finished it and we went and shot it. And he was just a lot of fun. Yeah. I oh, can imagine, yeah. and he was young. Like I mean, that that's a while ago, right? Yeah, so he's a, just like, th- like riveting with energy. I can about only, 1994, I think. The real big start of him leaving SNL and yeah, yeah. kind of going off and doing his own thing. Yeah. Um, what's a set like? Like, like any for, set? Well, I I would say what what's what is a day in the life? The, the, here's the question: What's the day in the life of you? Like wh- wh- when you when you sign up for a show or a movie. What are you, are you doing most of your work from your studio? Or are you doing a lot of it on set? Like where is? All the preparatory work done in my studio. Okay. So those days, you know, I, you know, 20, 30 years ago, I, I could do it from eight in the morning until two the next morning. And those days are gone, you know? <laughs> so, and I, and I, now I'm getting bigger shows. So I have people that work for me. So I try to start about eight or nine in uh, in the morning in the studio and work till five or six and you know sometimes you have to work longer or you have to work six or seven days um 
but I try not to do that. So those, those days are pretty civilized. When you get on set, especially if you're doing prosthetic makeups, um, those days can be very long. Um, so, for instance, I did something for a Sean Penn movie. Flag Day. That shot here, Flag Day. And um, I won't go into detail about what I did, but my day started at 3 a.m. And they were here in the winter, and they needed some winter stuff. So we had to get it all shot in the day. So we we went over lunch a little bit, um, and everyone was asked if that was okay. And they said, yeah, we got to get this done. So my day started at 3 a.m., and it didn't finish until, like, I didn't stop working or whatever until about 4.30 that afternoon. Ooh. So, like, 14 and a half hours later. At, like, the worst start time. Yeah, at the yeah so oh. now those are those are those are the uh the exception not the rule okay so on a on any given normal day let's say i might start at six in the morning uh then the crew because we make up in hair and wardrobe we're always in earlier like an hour to two hours depending on how many casts so let's say i might start at six and the rest of the crew starts at eight um and then we'll eat lunch at two and then you know maybe finish it uh eight or nine in the evening so that's that's a typical day okay yeah so anywhere between 13 and 15 hours and how many like what's the longest you've done a makeup for like consecutive in the chair because you hear you know like prime example mystique yeah okay from x-men right like that is that is a lot of work so i imagine that you are spending a lot of time with somebody like Adam Sandler, 75 minutes. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can watch a movie in that time, but are you doing eight, nine hour runs sometimes? Not that long. I used to, I helped out occasionally on the X-Files and, uh, yes, I read there's a few things that were long, but Mulder uh, or Scully, which one? Yeah, I can't say. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let let you guys decide that. uh, He's a Mulder guy, I think, but uh, (laughs) I get what you're putting down. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, I don't. So I, for instance, I did a TV movie, um, actually two miniseries about Don Cherry. Yes, you did. Right. Wrath of Grapes, right? And we had to age him. We, I had to age him. Jared Cuso. uh, Jared Cuso. Uh, super awesome guy. I always mispronounce names, by the way. Kiso. Kiso, okay. Jared right. Kiso, yeah. You're super close. lovely guy, awesome. Um, so when when we, uh, when I aged him to kind of like Don's present age at the time we shot it, because that was like- Which 10, is what, 107? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> so that, that makeup took between four and five hours, and then we would shoot for 12 hours, and then it would be uh, half an hour to 45 minutes to clean him up. So those days were like you can't just like rip days. it off and then walk out. And not really, you no. Know, not if not if you want the actor to show up the next right. day. Yeah, yeah. their faces probably because I, I, as I mentioned that horror museum that I went to in mm-hmm. Universal, they showed um, the Elephant Man. The Elephant Man. Um, they showed uh, who was it? Frank, I think it's Frankenstein mm-hmm. who played him. Uh, took out. His Boris own, Karloff. Boris took, Karloff took, took his own out den- his, dental his, plate, right? Yeah. Plate. So that he had a more saggy feature. On one side of his face, if you look, it's his uh, it's his, the right side of his face, and he had a dental plate, and when he took it out, it made this indent. Yeah. Um, just a really cool. I have a giant poster of it in my workshop. And, of course you do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's a really cool touch. 
I guess what I'm getting at is, is there lots of intimacy between makeup artist and actor, right? You're spending yeah. lots of time together. Yeah. Um, has what, what have you seen change over the years when it comes to your, um, your toolbox, your, like the things that you can use? Cause back then, I mean, they were using some very basic, like you say wool and wax and glues and stuff that, mm-hmm. that were layered upon layered upon layered. Yeah. So I can only imagine the shower after, right? <laughs> well, that... and actually, there's some days where Boris Karloff would go home in the makeup and sleep in it. Crazy, uh, because the makeup Daniel Day Lewis there. Yeah, Scary the makeup in would the take, morning. Yeah, the makeup <laughs> would take four or five hours to put on because it was all. He had a rubber piece that was this, that was slush rubber, and then the the brow, the actual brow was built up with uh, cotton and clodion, which is like a liquid plastic. That's like a sealer. Um, and not very flexible or movable, but still really effective. But um, you know, in the in the late '30s, they came out with foam latex. So their foam latex was used actually for props. And somebody said, "Hey, let's try and make you know noses out of it or whatever." And they also used a product called gelatin, which we still use as well. Um, but the whole the whole process of making the prosthetics is pretty much exactly the same. You have a life mask of the actor. And you have a positive and negative mold in which you put whatever prosthetic material into it. Uh, it's it's all exactly the same. It's just now, whereas we used foam latex for years and years, we now use uh, silicone. Okay, because for more, the most part, is it more mo- lifelike and maneuverable, or it it moves a little more realistically compared to foam rubber. Uh, it's like squishes and compresses like flesh, um, and it's semi-translucent depending on how much you color it, so it already looks more like real skin. Okay. And doesn't require as much makeup on top of it. So if you... Um, because back in the day, you could do a really great age makeup in foam latex, but you took the guy on set, and it was really good, but it still looked like he had stuff on his face. Whereas <laughs> if you do it in silicone now, you can take him on set, and it almost can pass for the real thing if it's done skillfully enough. Do you have a machine like they did in Mission Impossible 3 where they made Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom <laughs> Totally, Cruise? yeah. You have that? Yeah, yeah. that, that but you know what's, <laughs> Speaking of that, so this is really cool. So in 1980, my mom bought me this other book, which is awesome, called... Your Make- parents are so awesome. <laughs> they're all they're the best. <laughs> this book called Making a Monster, and it was, um, wasn't about monsters, really. It was just about makeup artists from, like, kind of 1932... 1980. So, um, you know, Stan Winston and Rick Baker and John Chambers and Dick Smith are all in them. Um, but there's a guy who created the makeup for the Alpha Man, Christopher Tucker. And at the end of his little chapter, he, there, you know, he's being interviewed and he says, you know, one day I'd like to invent a machine where you could take a picture of somebody and put that information into a machine which would be able to cut out a three-dimensional copy which is basically 3D printing, right? Yeah. Wow. And this guy in the late 70s is already thinking about how can we do this? And I always thought, I just remembered that when 3D printing started and I went back and read this and it's like, this guy is like, he's, he's foreshadowed. He's foreshadowed 3D totally. printing, yeah. Wow. Is, is there something in the industry that's kind of on the verge of doing so this? So there's, there are some people that um, are creating in a computer sculpting and making the the molds and 3D printing them and then you just put your prosthetic material into it. Yeah. So I'm, I I have a really hard time with the 
spatial recognition mm-hmm. where I'm thinking of what you're talking about. Yeah. So when you say the molds, I, I'm sure we've all seen it where like they put all that plaster over the person. Is that the making of the life mask? That's, so that's the making of the life mask. Okay. Yeah. And then once you have that, then you pour inside that mold? Correct. So the easiest way to describe it is imagine if you took your hand and you stuck it in the snow and you pulled it out, you would leave an imprint right. of the hand. Okay. So it's the same thing. You use this product. Um, we use silicone as well, but you mainly use this product called alginate, which is what Dennis used to take an impression of your teeth. And they now make special alginates for casting body parts and heads and stuff. So you basically make an impression, an imprint of the person's face or head or arm or whatever, and into that you'd pour plaster. And then you have a plaster 3, 3D replica of the face or the arm or whatever you're doing. And then you would take clay, um, plasticine, and you would sculpt the new feature, if it's the Elephant Man or Cyrano de Bergerac's nose or uh, Gary Oldman into Churchill. So you sculpt Mm -hmm. with clay, and you tap in all the pores and all the detail, and I'm making this as general as I can. (laughs) Then you you. make, because you actually would make up like what we call a proper positive, which I won't get into because no one can see me. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, fucking so, podcasts. Yeah. So then you make a mold of that sculpture with the person's face, and then when you take those two apart, you have the positive of the person's face and the negative of their face plus the sculpture. And you take the sculpture off, and when you put the two back together, they touch around the sculpture, which is what we would call the blending edge. But there's a space where the clay was. And that's where you put the prosthetic material. And then you, so you pour the prosthetic material, if it's foam rubber, into the mold, and then you squish the face into it so that the inside conforms to the actor's face and the outside resembles whatever they're going to become. So it's basically like a a perfectly fit mask for their face, but... Exactly. Oh, this is how they're yeah. going to do the new James Dean movie, I think. <laughs> they're just going to get a plastic Maybe, yeah. mold of a face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if the hologram, I don't know if you've heard this, but apparently holograms are now making their way into Hollywood with yeah, replace. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what you, as a as somebody who would rather make a prosthetic, I mean, I can't imagine that it's something that's highly you know, it'd be very expensive. And the other thing, you know, like if I was a director, I wouldn't want to work on a movie where I can't direct that right character. You have to tell the computer guy to exactly. do what you want. And how and many then... how many directors are satisfied with one take of something? None. None. <laughs> None. Right. I... Stanley Kubrick. He was. He was yeah, yeah, exactly. Man. No way. 95 <laughs> takes. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to me, and also it'd be very expensive. Whereas if you see a movie like Darkest Hour or Bombshell or something like that, the the magic of makeup totally gives the impression that this is real and you're looking at a real person. Which I, as a purist, am a huge fan of. I like practical more than I like and CGI. I've Hell seen yeah. it go from what we what, what I do and practical all the way, <clears throat> and then when digital came in, digital, it can do anything, and now it's going back, and, you, and I work with directors all the time who go, I don't want to do you know, anything digital unless we need to. Um, I want to see practical. I want to see practical blood. I want to see whatever it is, you know. 
That's so a lot of times balance, now, I guess that scales tipped and now they're and finally finding. A yeah. And that's how I think it should be used is if you need, balance. if you need the help to complement one or the other, then you should use it. Yeah. yeah. So there's lots of times where like, you know, we'll slice a throat. And before you had to figure out a way to hide. What'd you do today, honey? Slit, slit a throat. Yeah. <laughs> did, did they give you a check? Yes. Okay, that's great. Right. I, yeah. I saw all over your webpage all different throat slicings. Actually, <laughs> you have a yeah. Look so, at my work. Yeah. So in the old days, we would have to figure out how to hide that slice. Yeah. Right. And most of the time, it was camera trickery where the person's arm would be in front of the slice already, and you'd pull their arm back and then they jerk their head back and make it look like, right? So now what we can do with digital is digital can actually remove the slice and you can have the actor sitting there making his neck look like there's nothing happening. And then the actor can pull his arm across and give oh. a more give a more meaty effect to it. You're using both at the right, same time exactly, for yeah. maximum benefit. That's cool. Yeah. Using CGI to actually mask practical. Yeah. That's cool. I would have never thought of that. Yeah. No, because you think that everything just gets better, right? It's like, exactly, this yeah. is better than this, so we must get rid of this. No, it's like, uh, let's make a cocktail of exactly. everything and, yeah. you know, watch the magic happen. Yeah. That's super cool. So I'm not, I'm, I myself, you know, we've seen it where it totally took away from companies in that were, you know, based solely almost on building creatures that they would do animatronically and whatever and then that totally getting decimated by digital and now it's going back to oh no we want to create a suit we want to yeah you know, we want a guy in there and we want to be able to touch it and stuff so so i got just a quick question on Please. here where does so some of these elaborate outfits and stuff like that mm -hmm. where is the line drawn between makeup and special effects and costuming because it seems like in some things they just flow together the costume is the yeah if um you know if it's a creature like the creature from the black lagoon that that's a makeup effect really so they would hire somebody like me or whatever um costume would be they would help put the costume on it um they don't or maybe costume might make armor okay and stuff like that that they might employ sculptors and things and make molds but it's still part of the costume department okay yeah because i know there's some crazy creatures that their body and their costume kind of just become one at and some you, point and so that's where you know that you kind of leaning the towards two, like... the two work together to create the final product yeah the the I think the one that gets talked about the most I think where Mark's kind of playing is the American Werewolf in London transformation mm -hmm. right like it, 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 every time I hear anybody talking about makeup that always comes up and it it was is it safe to say it was ahead of its time oh yeah and it was I mean huge inspiration to anybody who's my age who does this you know because you saw a guy change on camera and it wasn't Lon Chaney sitting in a chair with his head on a plaster pillow not moving changing. You know, this was a guy in bright light, and his body was changing shape, and we'd never seen that before. And there is, to me, there is no digital effect that's ever even come close to that. That is still, you watch it today, and that movie came out in 1981. It still looks yeah. amazing, looks real, and better than any digital that you could possibly imagine. Well, and like with, with, with anything, when it becomes popular, then it becomes... You know, there's knockoff versions of it, right? Mm -hmm. And it gets used a lot. And then you can, 
I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I know that they like we, we slum in television sometimes on this show. That's the joke, right? Because mm-hmm. we're yeah. all movies, but yeah. we appreciate all kinds of media. <laughs> yeah. So, but I know that um, Werner Herzog argued f- Disney for the puppet, the puppet in the Mandalorian <laughs> to be real, to mm-hmm. be an animatronic, to be to be a makeup, to be yeah. a prosthetic, as opposed to being CGI, because you can eventually see it, you right? Can. Like yeah. if you see enough of the same thing, you can be like, okay, I. I'm not a professional. I'm a layman. I'm on this side of the screen, but I can tell you, and it, I know that that's not real. And it takes you out of the story. And it, right. exactly, yeah. So I, it's it's nice to see that that's still being argued because Disney's oh, got totally. the money to throw. They can do anything they want. Yeah. So to to stay in with, I guess the, the old guard or the old well, and, method and, of, and then speaking of that exactly, when they redid Beauty and the Beast a few years ago and did the live action thing, and they made the Beast a digital yeah. creature. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the actual tests that they built of a guy in makeup. No. But no. it's a million times better than the digital thing. This thing was gorgeous. It was beautiful. So it what was do you incredible. Think, what do you think made them change? Because they have a ton of money, and they probably didn't want to, no, we don't want the guy in makeup for four hours, and it's going to extend our shooting schedule, and... Let's just do you know, like my Disney voice. Let's just you know, <laughs> let's, let's, let's just I'm Bob Iger. Yeah, let's just do it digital, and and it just doesn't work. And it's like uh, it's like the the creatures in I Am Legend. Right, takes you totally out of the movie. That movie was terrifying up until you saw them, and then it was mm-hmm. like, this. Uh, this is I'm gonna go to Seven Eleven because I don't. I'm when they lived you, in the shadows, you yeah. yeah, it was built all that suspense, and then yeah. you count as a big letdown. I'm happy yeah, they right. didn't go the Omega Man route, though, where it was just guys <laughs> in robes and gray. Kidding, I love that. I, I went up, I, I went as one of those characters really? for Halloween. If you look on my Twitter page, there's a picture of me in that makeup, and I went as when I had the white eyes and everything. Yeah. I love that. That was awesome. Did these little my my white face was a little better than than the paleness that they did but yeah i was going to say mike were you foreshadowing with an american werewolf in london there at all oh yeah we're well yeah we've we've it, it's, doing it's out there yeah that's uh, that's a product placement for a next show no we've uh, we're working with the park theater mm-hmm. for their cult movie nights oh okay cool so we're going to be doing live recordings from the theater Oh wow! And we're gonna talk about the history of the movie and how it has become a cult. Oh, I'd love sensation. to be a part of that. Can please, I be a part of it. I and American Werewolf in London oh. is the first movie. That's the first, oh, first one. Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. So, if, <laughs> thank you for the plug. Yeah, <laughs> it's in April. If your schedule allows for it, I would love for you to come down and just give us twenty minutes of your time. I would love that. Awesome. I'll keep you in the loop on. Okay. It cool. For sure. Cool. Um, so how how is what have you seen the, some of the biggest changes in the makeup industry over the years? Like where have you it's the it's the materials that we use to to create the prosthetic pieces, um, and it's also uh, new materials. So, we're in the old days. We used pretty much this product called rubber mask grease paint. Um, well, that now, sounds like I want that on my face. Yeah, <laughs> no, you do. It smells <laughs> mm, really grease awesome. paint. Okay, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, is that um, enough red dye number five? <laughs> Actually, that's pretty close to what we used to make blood. But yeah, actually, okay. While you're on that, yeah, because this has been bouncing around in my head. So okay, okay. blood, slime, ooze. Mm-hmm. What are the major components for for these things? So, like- so when we make slime or ooze or stuff like that, uh, it's a mainly a product called Methicil. Okay, which you can get different grades of. So, I hear people in my industry go, "Oh yeah, Methicil. That's what they use to." Uh, that's what we used to thicken milkshakes at McDonald's. <laughs> so there is there is a there is a 
a specific grade of methicillin, which, yes, it's a food thickener. Yeah. We use a different grade because there's also grades of methicillin that they use for eye drops and contact lens wetting solution oh, and okay. things like that. So um, we use methicillin, and it's it's just this powder, and you mix it with hot water. And depending on how much of each you use, you can make it, like, super thin and stringy or really thick and globular. That's a word. <laughs> would it be more or less for <laughs> ectoplasm in Ghostbusters? Let's say. You would use more. More, okay. Uh, yeah. So right. what you do is you, you mix up a solution of the, the powder with hot water. Okay. And as it cools, it goes into solution and will be as thick or as thin as you as you make it. And being somebody who's played with this before, can I make a toaster or the Statue of Liberty dance <laughs> when I put it on it? Is that, or that's not part of the... <laughs> Where is this coming from? Is this a flubber? I know I'm uncomfortable again. Okay, so in the end of Ghostbusters 2, when they make the Statue of Liberty walk, they spray the ectoplasm against it. Yeah. So I'm just being an idiot, oh, assuming that in the right. product is part of the whole... I see, like, yes, yeah. and that did pop into my mind, yes. How dense is flubber? <laughs> like, I can't give away all the secrets. Okay? Ah, yeah. Slightly less dense than are there trade? Are there trade secrets? Like, are there... Are, like, 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 I, like a chef? I would never give any... I would never oh, keep yeah. any secrets. Okay. That was how Dick was. He's like, he would tell you anything, and that's why we know so much and are able to do all this stuff. Because so. you share. Like, it's 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 a shared knowledge, right? So yeah. it's like if you figure out a way to do this better yeah. than it was before... To hide that to yourself really just keeps it off the screen, which means totally. the reason we're all we're all fans, right? So yeah. you wanna you wanna see that. Yeah. Okay, so back to what we were talking about. I yeah. wanted to get to that. So was there the major innovation in your industry that maybe changed things? Oh, um, I think there's two. One again is um, so we used to use like like makeup, like you know, pigment mixed with oil is makeup. So we would use rubber mask grease paint and and. Um, there's a movie that came out in the late 60s called The Illustrated Man with Rod Steiger. And um, this guy named George Bao came up with this pigmented plastic makeup that um, would, you could put it on somebody and it wouldn't rub off until you use like a, a remover and then it would come off. So they did Rod Steiger's whole body up with this stuff and you'd paint it on or whatever. Um, so somebody took that information and, uh, I think Dick Smith actually used it for the body makeup for Linda Blair and the exorcist. Cause she's in that refrigerated room and he didn't want to keep touching her up with what had been cake makeup, which right. is a water-based thing. Cause it'd just be too cold. So I think he made a version for her body makeup. Uh, but somebody took the information and, um, created a product, uh, which we call alcohol activated makeup. So it comes in palettes like a watercolor, except you use 99% alcohol. And it dissolves this, and then you can paint it on, and then it dries. And it's rub-proof. Right. Oh. So that that's a really cool innovation. So you, And you can buy it in liquids, and we can airbrush it and stuff like that. And then the other innovations are using silicone instead of foam latex, which we kind of talked about because it just moves and looks more like real flesh. Um, and then the other innovation is actually making prosthetics where you don't have to go through the whole process of having a positive and a negative and putting the stuff in and then all that. So we can actually create prosthetics. Um, how can I describe it? We just make a very simple mold. Like we'll sculpt something on a board like a cut, and we can make a little silicone mold of it, which sets in 10 minutes, and you peel that off. 
and then you can put silicone into that and peel it out and put it on somebody or uh, this really great genius in LA named Christian Tinsley. He has a company uh, called Tinsley Transfers and their tattoos. But he came up with a way of making three-dimensional self-sticking prosthetics. And I think the first movie they used it on was The Passion of the Christ, where Jim Caviezel is all, he's Whipped been flogged. And oh, yeah, with the oh, whips yeah. and everything. So the, that yeah. whole makeup, if you did it in the traditional way, would have taken eight or nine hours to get the guy ready. So they came up with this technique, and the prosthetics are made of a thickened glue that we use, um, which actually Dick Smith discovered this glue called Prosade. Uh, and you can mix it with acrylic paint to make another rub-proof makeup called Pax. And we'd use that on foam rubber. So if you take this Prosade, which is it's a water-based adhesive, and you thicken it, you can squeegee it into these molds and freeze it for an hour. And then you just put it in a dehydrator to get all the moisture out of it. And then that's just, it's made out of glue. So you just stick it on somebody and it's on, like in moments. Oh, wow. So I had to do an aging makeup for a show last year, and it's and it was for TV, so, and they always want fast. It's got to be done fast, Doug. So, and it's like, okay, and sweat's pouring off my yeah. ever-expansive forehead. Fast and cheap, it's like, get oh one or the God. other. Yeah, fast and cheap. No, fast, cheap, and good. You yeah. can choose two. Yes, yes. <laughs> you can't so, always have. You can't choose Never three. three. Yeah. Um, so... I used this technique to create this age makeup by making like nasolabial jowl pieces and eye bags and crow's feet and whatever. And I could do the whole makeup in an hour oh, wow. with paint Huge. and everything. Whereas in the if you use a traditional way to do it, it would take two to three hours. Big jump. Yeah. Huge time saving. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also oh, wow. if you make the pieces properly, like there's no edges and anything. So I worked with this really high profile director. And she just kept coming up to me going, this looks really good. Like, I was really worried about using prosthetics and aging, you know, because they can look bad. We've all seen bad age makeups. This looks real. This looks really good, Doug. I'm like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's so great. Yeah. I guess that's the ultimate uh, compliment is that if somebody says, "I, I couldn't tell that that you used any make you know that you use prosthetics or any makeup the ultimate compliment is when they don't say anything right right then they like, i notice. guess so yeah <laughs> yeah who's this old guy doing this that's <laughs> well i mean if, if if it's a movie like darkest hour and you know gary oldman is playing churchill you know you go yes. that's a great makeup because you know but there's times where we'll take somebody on set and nobody says anything it's because they just don't wow. they're not aware that's right, and cool. that's that's when at the end of the day you just go, yeah, good job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, tick that tick that box and carry. That's right. While you keep you keep mentioning certain makeups, um, what are some of your favorites that you've seen that other people have done? Like, what's in your like you're, you're just like flabbergasted by? Yeah, that, so there's a Japanese makeup artist named Kazuhiro Suji. I think he goes by Kazuhiro, and this that's the guy, short version. Yeah, this guy <laughs> did the makeup for uh, Darkest Hour on Gary Oldman, and he did. He just won an Oscar. He won an Oscar for that. For Bombshell. Bombshell. Yes. Um, for Charlie's Theron. Charlie's Theron. That's the movie where Scarlett Johansson plays every character? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, but, Eddie Murphy's her way through? Yeah. So, I mean, the guy is, he's a genius because he's, he can, you know, do makeups and 
you know, like we know it, Charlize Theron, but you, I'm looking at it going, what did he do to her to make her look so much like her, but it doesn't look like Yeah, makeup. you can hardly even tell. No. It's, it's, it, but, here's, but here's one of the <laughs> genius things that, you know, he's a genius. One of the things that he came up with was, and this is using digital technology, um, uh, Megan, what's her name? The real person. Oh, Megan. Megan uh, Kelly? Megan, Megan Kelly. Kelly. I think that's right. Stang. So she has quite wide nostrils, and Charlize Theron has quite narrow ones. And so what Kazi did was he took a mold of the inside of her nostrils, <laughs> and then he took that information, inputted it into his computer, and using a program made um, these plugs that she could breathe through that were bigger. And then he 3D okay. printed them and printed a little handle that he could use for tweezers, and he would put them into her nostrils, and it widened it. Wow. And it's like, who would think of doing that? You Kazu. Just think, wow. Is a yeah. Kazu. Genius. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's how you, that, that's Oscar, right? That's Oscar, yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. he also did this thing, because I was looking at the make going, like, he did something to her eyes, and he made these kind of um, um, brow lid pieces that, that just totally transform her. If those weren't there, it wouldn't have worked. But he did some other things, but those things made her look like this woman. When I saw the trailer, I thought it was Megan Kelly. Yeah. And then you hear her speak and it's just two words and you're like, what? Yeah. How? How did you do that so well? Yeah. So to me, those kind of makeups are incredibly challenging and if you can pull them off, way more uh, I'm not saying that it's better than creating a wolfman that Rick Baker did <laughs> on Benicio right. del Toro, but <laughs> Also huge. Wait. Yeah, amazing, incredible makeup. But um, this passes for a real person and looks real. Yes, right? yeah. You know, and that the skill and art and technology used to create that is, you know, so that those, he, this this guy really impresses me. Like, so anytime he, he, and he got out of the movie business for a while because, you know, you work with a lot of undesirables in the movie <laughs> business. <Right>. Um <laughs> And he got out of it for a while, and he got lured back into it by Gary Oldman saying, I can only do this movie if you create this makeup. That's the only way I'm going to do did this. Did he work with Oldman previously on anything? Or did he just, he Oldman met, was a fan? It, Oldman was supposed to be in the 2001 Planet of the Apes. And okay. he, he met him there. And and then through the years, he had seen Oh, the Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes? Yeah. That's why they brought him in again when they did the, the rise of the planet rise of the planet of the apes like he came back for one didn't uh, he? they just brought him know. in because he's a great designer and right. he created a three-dimensional bust of caesar with all the hair punched in and everything um so gary oldman knew this guy's a genius and so he said if anybody can create this makeup and make it pass it's him and if he doesn't do this movie because he was retired from the movie business then we're not making the movie Wow. And so That's a lot of power to Kazu's have. Kazu's <laughs> like, well, okay, but I don't want to apply it every day. So okay. he did all, they did like five tests over the course of a year. He did all the testing and then other people applied it. That's, and that right there is just a great case of how much effort and time and money it takes to make a movie. Doing makeup, five, like testing makeup before there's even a, a day on set. But almost how much, but also the respect Yes, that, that someone like Gary Oldman has, and 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 Gary Oldman is, you know, he uh, was quoted as saying something like, you know, if if I take on this part and I know that I have to be in this makeup, the least I can do is 
show up and sit in the chair and if they ask me to do whatever to get this makeup on and make it look good i'm gonna do that because yeah. it's if i don't it might not look as good and i need to give them the respect to get yeah. this perfect and conversely then when i'm on set and i need it quiet then people should respect what i need to be able to perform but it shouldn't it should never be you know, and, and I've encountered this tons of times where, you know, you have actors who take on a part and they're supposed to get old or whatever and they just don't want any part of it and it makes your job. <laughs> that much harder. Difficult. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would imagine think... that you know that that's coming though. Like there, but uh, again, the, the <laughs> things that happen in Hollywood, are, that's a whole other planet compared to the rest of the world. Yeah. But like if you know you're going to be playing in a like like prime example would be Brad Pitt not knowing that he's getting de-aged in Benjamin Button. And then mm. finally, it's like the day of it's like, Brad, <laughs> but you know that this was coming the entire time, buddy. But here's the thing. Um, so when they were going to do that, they he wasn't really going to be involved in any of the stuff when he's the old little person. He was only going to start to be involved in the character when they start using makeup on him. OK. And he said. I'm this character throughout the whole movie, and so I should be involved with all aspects of this, and he's absolutely correct. And so he was. Which then people, I shouldn't say people because I don't speak for the human race, but like <laughs> those are the things that like when you when you hear about it after the fact, you're like, that's why I like that movie. Exactly. Because those, yeah. those they didn't cheapen it and cut it off and go, okay, we, we can CGI this. Yeah. It's blending the two like so, we talked about. From so a what, fan's point of view, it's neat to hear about the, like how the actor's influencing, the direction is influencing, the makeup is influencing. Oh, yeah. And so what they did was they got Kazu and Rick Baker and they got a cast of Brad Pitt's head and they got designs of what Greg Cannon, the makeup artist, um, how he was going to look when he's aged, uh, when the makeup starts about 60s. And then they used that and created a silicone head that they used for when he looks older but younger, you know what I mean? And that's what they scanned digitally used for most of, of the stuff leading up to the makeup. Man, the technology that comes with, with this industry is yeah. just mind blowing. But I mean, if you're, you're creating a world, so yeah. you want to have, when, when you look at the screen, I, I, I had this on the list of things I want to ask you. Can you turn off makeup artist, Doug Morrow and go yeah, into it's fan funny Doug Morrow? I was kind of looking at what, what was on the TV here before. Yeah. We Lord, started. Lord, uh, Lord of War. Yeah. And I was looking at it and I was watching a guy get shot and, uh, <laughs> and the squibs and whatever. And, uh, and to me, I, I was sitting there thinking, I know this guy's got like a protective thing on. And he's got these squibs. And it took me out of what was happening. Right. Uh. Whereas if I go see, I'm just going to use Darkest Hour again. Sure. Um, <laughs> Do you like this movie? Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Not only is it a great movie and it's a great cast, but never once am I taken out of the movie by anything. But... Because I love movies so much, I can go to a movie that doesn't have any makeup in it, and if the performances and all that are awesome, you know, I'm gonna love this movie. Like I love like Sideways with yeah. Paul Giamatti, one of my favorite movies. Not fucking drinking Merlot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that movie. So, um, you know, as I've gotten older, my tastes have changed, and and um, you know, I, I I really love movies like that that are just character driven movies. 
But yeah, there's times where I, you know, I'll go to a movie and I'll see something that's just bad, and it's just all of a sudden it's like, ah, I'm not, I'm not involved in this. I mean, and clearly now. you have such more of a critical eye than the rest of us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that must be yeah. really kind of disheartening for you and it can take you out that easily. Yeah, but I also <laughs> know that I'm looking at movies in a different way, right? right. I mean, there's only, and this, I don't, I'm not trying to brag or anything because <laughs> I'm, I'm really hard on myself and most of everything that I do, I think sucks. <laughs> but uh, there's one show that You're I did. You're creative, man. Everybody thinks that. Oh, uh, well. You have that Typical brain. artist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that that's maybe a good way to be because if I think that I'm great, you know, that's that's worse. There's but, confidence and then there's ego, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I, I did a TV movie about Jack Layton several years ago, and um, it's the only show I've ever done where I can watch it from beginning to end and the guy's got prosthetics on the whole time, and I don't, I don't even remember the experience of making it. I just watch the story. Wow. And it's the only, so great. only project of mine that I can feel that way. Yeah. That's got to be a good feeling. Yeah. Um, so what are some of your favorites? That I've done? That you've done. Um, I did a TV movie about uh, Annette Funicello. We, we did some... Like really Frankie and Annette? Like, yeah. Okay. Did some really cool aging makeups for that. Um, this Jack Layton show. I did a. I did this TV series on for one year called The Pinkertons. Mm. Yeah, and, filmed uh, over by the uh, train station uh, in Winnipeg. Yeah, there. yeah. So, yeah. And uh, it was just an awesome show. We were on it for seven months, and it's like one of my most favorite projects ever. It was just a great cast. It's like a, a Western kind of Yeah, it was about right? the Pinkerton Security Agency in the 1860s. Yeah, they were kind of like marshals, were yeah. they? Or not? Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't they protect like stagecoaches? Yeah, they that? did all yeah, kinds of right. stuff. Yeah. 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 So that that's one of my all-time favorite projects. It was just so much fun and all all over fun or like just doing your job? Like what? Like... All over fun. Okay. Uh, yeah. In terms of like what I actually do, um, yeah, like that that Jack Layton TV movie, um, Happy Gilmore, Jumanji. Um, what was Jumanji like? It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It like was, what, did, what, did, what, what were you doing on Jumanji? Uh, so I was uh, the assistant prosthetic artist. And um, so what we did was our main job was we turned the, the little boy Bradley Pierce into the monkey. That was Sweet. Like our, that was our main job every day. <laughs> So that was actually, I, oh. you know, I did this when I was like 29. So I was like young and had lots of energy. Um, because he was a minor, he could only work eight or nine hours yeah. a day. So Fucking child labor laws, I tell you. Yeah. Just kidding. And just that kidding. included the makeup, which took just over three hours. Yeah. So, and then take... With like a child sitting in a chair. 45 minutes, yeah. Oh. So what they did was they, they probably don't want to tell me all the secrets, but whatever. It's a long time ago. <laughs> they... Hired these twins as body doubles. So once you put the makeup on and you shot them from, you know, like a full, a full, a full distance, yeah. you know, standing away or further, it looked like same kid. kid. So what we would do is the makeup artist Charles Porley and I, we would do Bradley up in the morning. We'd get him all ready, and Charles would go to set with him, and then we had a, another assistant, Brad, and then Brad and I would do the, the body next. double. Oh, okay. And then so we'd spend three hours doing him up. And by the time we were done him, um, the first kid was almost done the day. 
So then he would come back and we would clean him up and the little body double will so go to set. So it's just a nice switch. Yeah. So that was okay. what I did for two and a half, three months. Was making monkeys. Making <laughs> monkeys. Pumping out monkeys so <laughs> yeah. you could work all day. Yeah. So it was, to me, it was like my closest plan of the age thing. Yeah. Um, You've been training for this. Yeah. So, it, and, you know, and it was Rob Williams. It was just yeah. like, just so much fun. The guy was just amazing that's super fun. while we've got you here can i uh can i ask you about cult and curse of chucky i said i couldn't help but notice that you did a bit of work on that okay. um, a preface on this for jimmy is jimmy loves all horror okay yeah um i just want to know like did you get to work with don mancini a lot did yeah. you yeah what oh, yeah. was what was that like like i can't imagine like i just um from like seed and bride just okay. seeing him like his growth as a director was huge for me. Like oh, I yeah. love these movies compared to what he's done just before that. So yeah. what was that like to be around and work around? First of all, he's just the most lovely man you could ever oh, meet. Oh, that warms my and heart. And he's an awesome director and really uh, great to work with in that he's like super approachable and um, because not all directors are and sometimes you don't feel like you can come up to them and right asking the question or something stupid like that something you know that helps the whole production exactly whereas <laughs> you know don he's just like whatever whatever's gonna make the movie better and yeah and just you know he's he's part of the team and right. just lovely um and a great director and also you know fiona duraf you know yeah. he's got such an amazing rapport with her and with um with brad oh brad duraf he was yeah, really fun to work with, and also oh. Jennifer Tilly, and right. so they're like a, they're really like a family, and you can see it on set. And um, I love Jennifer Tilly. I love that she's just willing to give a hundred and ten percent. Oh yeah, series. and she's it's amazing. She's really nice and super lovely, and I've worked with her a few times. She's you played she's poker great. with her. No, no, I'm not stupid. No, no. I, you know, I'm Scottish. I like to hold on, I like yeah. to, hold on to my money. Oh. But um. This just warms my heart to yeah. hear. But just, uh, yeah, just a great experience. And just, you know, okay, do you think that we could, you know, we want to shoot this eye getting poked out. I know we didn't talk about it. Could we do that? Like, you know, and it's like, yeah, man. Like, Hell yeah. And, and part of the reason why you want to say, yeah, man, of course, is because he's such a great guy and treats you not only as an equal, but as a professional. And... Amazing. When someone is nice and also like that, you want to bend over backwards to do whatever you can. And I would do anything for It just makes your job like 10 times easier and 10 times more fun to do. Oh, 100%. Yeah, because there's other times, and you know, we're getting paid good money to do this stuff, but if you're working with somebody who you get the feeling doesn't appreciate you or thinks that I'm above you, you, you still do 110%, yeah. but it's not with a smile on your face. And that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, because you got to do it for your credit, your credibility, obviously. But mm -hmm. the extra fifty or sixty percent that you leave on the floor at the end of the day comes yeah. from. And they like notice this, you know. They notice this. Like I did this TV, uh, sorry, yeah, TV series last year called Tales from the Loop, and the pilot was directed by uh, a guy named Mark Romanek, who did, did One Hour Photo. Yes, and, yeah. And he was the original director of The Wolfman that Benicio del Toro did. Okay. And um, and he was great. Like I had a great rapport with him and. You know, he had a really specific vision of, you know, everything. But there was one one day, excuse me, where um, we were, the last shot was on the back of an actress and she was kind of in the dark silhouette -y. And I'm like, if the actor's here, I'm not, like, it was the last shot. 
I'm not going to leave. I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm just going to stay because just in case, you know, they might turn around or something. So we, you know, cut, print, you know, uh, print. It's not (laughs) film anymore, Doug. Anyway. Made the newspaper. Yeah. You can see how old I am, right? So... So that anyway. reminded me of the boys from Brazil, where they have the dogs, and he uses the the commands yep. cut, print to kill. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. oh yes, <laughs> one of my favorite movies. Um, so anyway, so I'm leaving the set. We're in the studio, leaving the set, and I walk past him, say hey, good night, Mark, and he goes, "What are you still doing here?" And I said, "Well, you know, we had an actor on set." He goes, "You didn't need to be here." And I said, "Well, you just never know." And he goes, "You know why you're still here, Doug?" I go. No, why? You're a pro. And I was like, uh, that was better oh. than any paycheck because, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's noticing that. He's know, recognizing the sweat that you're putting exactly. into Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so, you care about the product too. 100%. Yeah. Like, if I, you know, if actors go to set and I always try to be there on set before they get there, it freaks me out. Like, and that's where I should be. And you work sometimes with people who don't go to set as often as they should. I have to be there. That's where I'm supposed to be. It's not in the trailer doing paperwork or whatever. I'm on set. That's where the actors are. That's where I need to be. Touch-ups are on set. Yeah. Changes on the fly are yeah. on set. Exactly. So yeah. do you yeah. have the power at all, speaking of that, if you see something through your eye that's that's off, right, that you can tell, do you have the power to, to tell the director to stop so that you can? I would never, because that's not my job, to cut a scene. Yeah. But at the end of the shot, I... I've done it tons of times where I've gone up to him and said, this didn't look right. This didn't look good. Um, you should seriously consider shooting it again because of whatever. And 99 times out of 100, they're like, yeah. Okay. And, you know, sometimes they make fun of it. Okay, we got to go again for makeup, you know, and everybody laughs, laughs at you and whatever and whatnot. But uh, for sure, because, again, they're hiring you based on your experience and your expertise. And... They're looking at the whole picture, whereas I'm just looking at mm. something specific. And if it's not, if it's not going to look good, they need to hear that. And right. that's like you—you you probably said earlier when if it takes you out of the scene that you're watching, you're you have the more critical eye for that side of it. Hundred percent, so yeah. You're able and there's to... also times where I built effects, and I stupidly think, "Oh, they're going to shoot it like this," and then you get it all set up, and they put the camera in another <laughs> angle that doesn't promote it as well. And I kind of stand there going, huh, do I say something? Yes. And I say, you know what? Uh, this was kind of built like to be shot. Like, oh, okay, sure. And, you know, most of the time it's a collaborative effort. Um, it also depends on who you're working with. But, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Kind of like every job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Who knew? So this, the reason we started this, a friend of mine also does stunt work, BJ Vero. Yeah. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah. He's I've known him since we were in grade seven. Okay. He's, I, and I always knew that that is exactly what he was going to do. He was going to do something in film. It yep. didn't matter what it was. And now he's he's producing, he's directing, he's yeah. stunting, he's the skiing stunts. Like yeah. he's very close with those guys. So we wanted to do this series to promote Manitoba film cool. and Manitoba people who work in Manitoba film. So what what are some of your adventures with some of, like you said, Tales from the Loop? Like that's a big. Amazon Fox monster of a production. The trailer looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what is how has Manitoba film been since you've been back home? Like, what have you seen change with our? Because I mean, the tax credit 
is huge for you guys. <laughs> and right? they just they just they cemented it, cemented it, and, and added it more to it. Day, yeah, yeah, just a couple of days ago. Yeah, I think it was for flag people that they are in, including in the. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, for road safety. And exactly, stuff like yeah, that. which yeah. is huge because you guys are shutting down highways for totally. car chases and stunts and. Um, you know, the I mean the 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 caliber and quality of the crew is just like it's you know unmatched anywhere you can get the you know the the caliber that we have is in LA in New York or vice versa their caliber we're that caliber we you know we're on par with with any of those crews um the thing that hasn't changed which needs to change is the crew growth so that we can do more than you know, four shows at the same time. So mm-hmm. and st- you, you need a bigger pool to pull from. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. I, having mentioned what I what I do in my personal life and my day job working mm-hmm. with you guys in, in rentals and such, yeah. I, I, that's all I hear. That's one of the big things is like, you know, you, you, you see, I get to see the production schedules from mm-hmm. you guys and then yeah. I can see when they get pushed and I know exactly why. It's because there's not enough of you. Yeah. And then, then you start hiring, you know, outside of your your gene pool mm-hmm. and 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 then you, you've got people who i'm sure are great workers but aren't as trained aren't as familiar right yeah. and then and then obviously it starts to dwindle a little bit so yeah I, I i know exactly what you're talking about yeah um so uh and and the problem is is you know over the years you you bring new people in and you start to train them or whatever um and this was going back several years where you know you'd be working and then there'd be no work and then you'd be working and, the, and so what do those people do when there's not a lot of jobs and then there's no work and then they might not get they, on they to, leave they leave right so that's why this what's happening now is like it's like it's a full-time all-year-round gig and you have companies like the cartel that are coming in that have lower budget things yeah with the movies of the week for uh, hallmark right? exactly yeah. so you're getting people who were assistants who are now keying those shows who are building up their experience and being in charge and now we're bringing in new people, so hopefully this is going to create a growth that we can, you know, do do more than four or five shows at the same time without having to bring crew in or or whatnot. That's what I want to see, and that's what seems to be happening. It's, and I'm a huge proponent. Like I've I've you know trained people and give courses, and I used to teach at UW because I love what I do, and I'm not threatened by telling somebody anything. Uh, about how I do it. Um, I just, you know, we just want skilled people. Yeah. You know. Workers. Yeah. I want to say on that note, uh, you were, so there's a a young daughter of one of our friends that does some babysitting for us. Mm -hmm. And she's an aspiring makeup artist. Mm -hmm. Um, And about a month ago or something, um, she was at some sort of, and I'm, I'm trying to get the reference. Was it some sort of clinic or something where you were doing some special effects makeup? February 20th, she said, uh, at Sisler. Oh yeah. Did you, yeah. okay. So she, I know she's who a student about. there. Yeah. Emma Black is her name. Yeah. And she's, I knew before that how interested in makeup for the last few years, she's been super interested mm-hmm. in beauty makeup and special effects stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'd seen your name attached to that. And when this all came up, I told her that we were going to have the opportunity to speak with you and she lost her mind. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice can you give to some of these aspiring, you know, the eight year old you that's now discovering this world? Um, 
most important thing is now, especially with the internet, is to learn as much as you can. Go on YouTube. It's free. You can learn anything off of YouTube. This whole show was learned off YouTube. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> Go yeah. on. Sorry. <laughs> so, so, you know, get as much information as you can and then just start buying stuff and practicing. And you don't need to spend $1,000. You can buy, like, a little makeup kit or just a few colors and stuff that uh, I'll plug Harlequin Theatrical Supplies um, and just start doing it and practicing and take pictures and don't stop doing it. That's don't stop. Well, and, and, and <laughs> here's the thing stop. though. I say that with a grain of salt because, um, you know, now a guy in his mid fifties who's done this his whole life and is super passionate about it and still am. And, you know, just, I mean, people that I work with make fun of me because I'll go home at night and I get in a bed and I go on YouTube or Stan Winston School of Character Arts or whatever, and I go, oh, I didn't know that. I don't know, right? You know, I'm still doing it after working 15-hour day because I'm a loser. But um, No, you're a savant. Okay. <laughs> but to have, uh, to have some balance in your life because we all need that. So I love what I do, and I do it all the time, but I also now have developed other hobbies. Like, I love to cook, and I played darts for, like, 25 years, and, you know, I'm getting into 140! <laughs> right. No, it's 180. Sorry, sorry, my bad. <laughs> oh, amateur. Um, but, uh, but to have some balance. But when you're starting out, you kind of have to outweigh the balance with your passion and because you're not going to get anywhere if you don't. A, do it and practice, mm -hmm. and B, believe in yourself. Do you see social media being a big part of the younger people well, it's, now? It's, to well, again, it's so much easier to get your name out there, to get your pictures out there, and to get information. Like, it, it's incredible. And you can see it, you can trace it by looking at social media in the last 15 years. And you would have a few artists who were really good, and now you have a million of them. Because those have, few inspired the many. Totally, and now like you have these these um, like there's a couple of young girls that I that I know who are just the most incredible face painters, and they can just take um, one dimensional makeup and right. paint it, and it looks three dimensional, and it's incredible. And I sit there going, I should not do this anymore for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I should go work in a diner, and because they're incredible. Yeah. And but what it does is it also inspires you to go. No, I can. I can't. I'm gonna go practice. And it's funny you say. There's one girl I see on uh, TikTok and Instagram who has alopecia. She has no hair whatsoever, mm -hmm. and she does these like such crazy elaborate face paint. And it's just like young girls that do this for like I'm yeah. sure when she was you know 12, 13, and totally. it's just been doing it now for t 10 years and the other thing we're seeing now too is this is you know the movie business is, is global thing but now because of social media we are seeing incredible artists in countries that you never even think would produce work that is as good as Kazu's it's it's just incredible and you look at that going you're from Bulgaria and you're doing that don't come to Winnipeg because I don't want to work in a <laughs> <laughs> It's my territory, motherfucker. Yeah, and so Stay out. Yeah. I think it's a Swedish couple. I think they're from Sweden, and they, um, they have been nominated for two Oscars for the 100-year-old man who jumped out a window and climbed a mountain or something, it's and another wordy. one called um, 
something Ove. And they're Swedish Oh, movies. yes, yes, yes. I know about Ove, yeah. So these, these people are incredible. They're so talented, and they're, they're in Sweden, and now like they're all over the world. And before, in the 70s, it was, oh, there's Rick Baker, you know, a young <laughs> exactly. guy, and that was it. And now it's, they're everywhere because they're able to find the information and discern it and build their stuff and practice and, and keep practicing, and that's, that's what it takes. And if you want to do what I do, you have to practice. You have to – and I, I always um, make this um, a kinship. I don't know if that's the right word. No, don't cut that out. <laughs> um, this, this similarity to being an artist is, especially if you are a commercial artist – to being an athlete or a ballerina because you only get better by practicing. So NHL players, they don't just, you know, they don't do anything else except play a game. Those guys practice mm -hmm. every day. If you're a ballerina, you practice every day. If you want to do this and become a great sculptor, you have to do it every day. And as you say, I, I, like hockey, now that the pool is so large to draw from, mm -hmm. you have to be that you much have, better. Exactly. So... um when I first started in this, I was a terrible sculptor. And in the last, just in the last year, because of I've moved to the country, I've built this little workshop and whatnot, I, I, and I, I just took four months off. All I did was sculpt, and all I do is practice sculpting human faces. All I do is sculpt, 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 sculpt. <laughs> Sorry. So that, so that, you know, so that. <laughs> the peanut gallery. Yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> Now I'm super uncomfortable. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, man. No, okay. it just popped in my head. Um, <laughs> this is sort of our brand. So, okay, to be no, fair, <laughs> I like it. It's really good. Uh, so, so what I've been doing is I've just been creating these old age makeups. I've been sculpting them, doing all the lab work and everything, so that I can get better. And I'm, you know, I've been doing this for over thirty years now. I'm in my mid fifties, and I'm I don't want to sit back and go, yeah, I worked on Jumanji. No, I want to be able to go. Yeah, I see that last year I did that, and now look at what I'm doing this year. Mm -hmm. You're progressing. You, yeah, because yeah. I, I, I didn't get into this just to, uh, and, and I, I, you know, shows like this, it's fun to talk about your career, but I, I'm not one of those people that, you know, yeah, I worked on Happy Gilmore and da-da-da-da-da. No, I'm not going to rest on that. I want to be, be the best for myself that I can be. Um, and that's not something that I did 30 years ago. It's got to keep being current. That's super and, awesome. Yeah. And do you see yourself staying here? Oh yeah. I'll, there's no, there's no need. Like I, I get called to, you know, in the last few years I've been asked to not only shoot like stuff all across Canada, which I have in, in the past. Um, but also I've been called to go to India, China, won't go there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nobody's going there right now. Uh, Africa. <laughs> Um, you know, and I, and I still get calls to, to go and do these things. People see my website and they go, oh, well, you know, there was a show in India a few years ago and they needed some aging makeups. They found me online. Uh, I talked to them on the phone a few times and then it worked out, um, didn't work out because their schedule changed and yeah. whatnot. Um, so it's now such a global thing. I don't need to move anywhere. I can stay and do it here and be quite successful. And because there's so much work coming here. And the other great thing about, because we talked about this before, about kind of being pin pigeonholed and, and only doing, like, effects um, stuff. 
because I moved back here from Vancouver, I could have stayed in Vancouver and worked on a ton of huge giant shows just being a, an applicator or just being a sculptor or just being a mold maker. And that's fine if you want to do that. I'm not. Mm -hmm. But I, again, didn't get into it just to do that. Right. And the other thing is, because I moved back here, my skill set just expanded incredibly. Um, so I can go on any movie and I can just do the regular makeup or I can make you look old or I can slit your throat. Oh, or I we would could, love that. Yeah, we or we Jimmy's could, dream know, would have you slit his throat. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. or we yeah. could you know, make you look like you've been autopsied and have your organs harvested. Oh, oh, someday. Right? Oh, uh, How I mean, to with the real debaters featuring Doug Morrow? Yeah, yeah. that'll be Epi our first video episode series. Yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> episode one: How to silence the screams. <laughs> uh, and also, oh. um, so that I mean that for me is very fulfilling that I can pretty much, and I'm not saying I'm the greatest, but I can go and pretty much handle any situation. And the other thing too is living here, and because there's no one really else that that is doing it and i I'm, again i'm not trying to brag but it, at this level so i get asked to do things that maybe if i was living somewhere else i wouldn't they would go to somebody like i did this tv series years ago called tp tales and it was these little puppets aboriginal stories um uh grandparents and grandchildren and the grandchildren go and ask um the animals who represent different um Spirits and uh, stuff. Laws. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and it was all with puppets. Well, if I had lived anywhere else, I wouldn't have been able to do that. But because I lived here and they brought this to me, we built these little cable control puppets and arm puppets. And <laughs> it was awesome. We did it for three years. That wouldn't have happened anywhere else. And I, because I got to do that, I learned so much. Mm. You know? Well, and that's I think, really neat. I, yeah. to, to play on that, I think the beauty that. Manitoba is being put on the map with such hard work from Manitoba Film and Sound and totally. and showcasing 100%. the talent here. It, that's just going to, like, you, you're in a really great position, I think, now to see a wide variety of all the things that you like doing mm -hmm. because everybody's trying us out. Mm -hmm. As to before where they were like, well, if we have to, now it's like, no, go there, mm -hmm. right? I feel we're the Georgia or the Atlanta of, yeah. or Georgia of, of Canada right now because, mm -hmm. like, yes, Vancouver, yes, Toronto, right? Those have all the things, but that's populous. Yeah. We have talent. The, the, it, that, <laughs> no, that's totally it, Jimmy. It's like for what we lack in a metropolis, we make up for in blood, sweat, and tears and skill. Totally. 100%. And, yeah. and so I just working as a vendor to you mm -hmm. has been a privilege for me in my career because. Like I, I've watched it happen at United Rentals because nobody really tackled. That's that's where I work. I guess I voted myself. Um, nobody was really going after the industry, and right. and me being such a fan of it, I was like, no, they need support. They need a crew that can help them. They need people who understand the constraints, the mm -hmm. time, the 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 rapid changes. So I'm super glad that i've been able to kind of witness this growth with you guys oh, cool and and just see how well you're now being respected for your skills oh that's awesome sorry guys can i go to the bathroom oh yeah <laughs> totally. absolutely yeah. can we talk about him while he's gone yeah we can yeah feel free can i go to the <laughs> thank you for putting your hand up doug <laughs>
just want to say the sun is just fucking bright today. Oh are you God. are you hot in the corner there? No, no, no. Like I walked here and I was just blind. Yeah, it's like two degrees out. So as a podcast, I think that we should put it together and block out the sun. <laughs> <laughs> you mean get rid of the thing that hasn't been around for three and a half yeah. months? Yeah. No, I went out. I went outside for a smoke earlier and I took my hoodie off. It's it was blinding. It's hot. Uh, you think... sound like you're uh, upset about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that my body's not used to ah. it yet. You know? I can tell by the shade of your skin. Oh, it looks like Doug uh. has applied some sort of makeup to you and made you look way paler than I'm, you. I'm uh, going for an audition for a corpse on Law and Order. But <laughs> <laughs> I just get the makeup done now. Uh, you're auditioning uh, for a guy who's been dead in his apartment for five days. Yeah. Bloated yeah. corpse. Yeah. You know what? We need someone who looks more eight to 12 day. If you can come back and put on some weight and be bloated, uh-huh. that yeah, would be I great. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> Easily. Um, this, like, I, I hope everybody who's listened has found this as interesting as we have. Absolutely. Like, like I, I feel like we could just keep going and do a three part series. I them. think I, I, I have think so many that, questions and. I, yeah, we. This is tip of the iceberg here for this guy, and and knowing that he wants to come and do the yeah. cult movie nights, like that would be that would be so great to have that perspective of somebody who's watching the movie with us and going, "Yep, here's where it is. Here's where that is." Right, like all of the things that we're just fans of, but blind to something that we never even really thought of. Right, like uh, BJ that you're talking about. Like if there's a movie that's more of an action based movie, and having him sit in and give his right his take on some of the stunts or something, he like messaged that. me and, and you know that would be really cool yeah. to have those insights. Yeah, like a play by play, so to speak, of of what's going on. Yeah, you know, talk about a couple key you know key stunts in the movie, or talk about some of the makeup, some of the key moments that, yeah. that it would have been. That would be really really interesting from a total movie geek perspective. Right, and that's the people who are going to cult movie night, right? Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. that's the crowd. You're not you're not going to you're going to a cult movie because it's in it's in your collection. You, right. Your VHS tape. You're is, not going to see it for the first time. No, you're not. <laughs> you guys want to go see the room? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that watch the movie right before coming to the movie. Like, yeah. th- that's the third time that day they've seen. It. Oh, good exactly. Lord. Yeah, I that's know, what I mean. I know for a fact that I'll be watching every one of those movies again before we actually go see oh, it. Oh, 100 percent. So that I'm not naked to what's happening in it. Right. Because some yeah. of them on that list are, are from 10, 20 years ago, right? Oh, like, absolutely. Like Living Dead's on that list. I'm like, Jesus, how, I, I've seen that movie once, maybe twice. We were just talking. Do you feel better? <laughs> the coffee let go. I'll yeah. tell you, like, I, I usually don't drink a lot of coffee. And today I was like, I was driving around. Oh, the coffee, all the coffee. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like a racehorse. I might have to go again before I go home. <laughs> Feel free, man. I'm guessing you need a steady hand in a lot of the things you do. <laughs> well, yeah, if I if I do, I don't do it because I've noticed if I do have coffee in the morning and don't eat a lot or sometimes I arrive before food's ready, mm-hmm. I'm shaky. Yeah. And then the, the person's age has gone into the wrong direction of their face. Correct. Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, they show up and say, Doug, why do they look like Bozo the Clown? <laughs> we said bombshell, not Bozo. <laughs> um, so uh, where where do you see Manitoba Film going from here, having been a part of the union for so long? And like just your – you know what? Actually, there's something else I wanted to ask you, and it, it, I'm now remembering it. You, you, James Lipton, have you heard that name? Yeah. 93-year-old, the gentleman who hosted Inside oh, the Actors yeah, Studio. Yeah. Okay. I – 
loved that man. That was one of my favorite TV shows about learning about somebody's craft oh, and yeah. just how they come. It, it, I am a behind the scenes guy, right? Mm-hmm. I never wanted to be in front of the camera for anything I did. I, I and I, the camera didn't want you in front of it. No, <laughs> no, it does not. I knew mutual, somebody was going to say that. It's a mutual <laughs> relationship. Again, that's our brand. Yeah. <laughs> But he used to, and I, and I, I'm, we're going to do this on the fly here because it's the best way to do it. But he used to ask a bunch of questions at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. And because he passed away this week, I wanted to do it today with you. Sure. So, um, let's start with what is your favorite word? Oh man. Off the cuff. That's a tough one. My favorite word. Cash. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> ah, that rings true. I, I, I like the sound. Here's some cash. Yeah. What's your least favorite word? Ooh. Uh, Is it like everybody else that says moist or panties? Like, <laughs> no, I was going to say poor. poor. Okay. <laughs> Credit. Credit. Debts. Debts. Yeah. I owe you. Yeah. Uh, and this is by no means sexual, but what turns you on? It could uh, be sliding somebody's throat on set. Like, that's totally fine. No, just, just people totally passionate about something. Doesn't that's, matter what it is. such a great answer. What turns you off? People who have talent and are lazy and don't do anything with it and just, they don't do anything with it and then they blame society for oh, their... Damn society. Preach. Yeah. <laughs> here, for, their, here. for their unsuccessfulness because I, I see it a lot. Okay. What is this? They say... Uh, uh, hard work beats talent every day and hard work plus talent creates a superstar something along those lines one of yeah. those smart yeah, yeah. I believe it yeah. Yeah. yeah um what sound or noise do you love oh the sound of cash ringing into his bank account. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh i love to cook i don't know a sizzle, a sizzle, yeah. Ooh. Oh, bacon sizzling, bacon sizzling, or if you're <laughs> a nice stir sauteing something and then you put the liquid in to deglaze uh, the pan. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a satisfying right. sound. Yeah, you, that's a sound and a smell. Do you yeah. watch a lot of Food Network, Doug? Uh, basically, here's my day when I'm working in my shop. I either watch Turner Classic Movies, yeah, TCM, or one of those food shows. Top Chef, <laughs> Master Chef, yeah. Iron Chef. Yeah. Nah, no, not those as much as um, more shows that um, show you how to cook. Okay, all right. So like how-tos and such. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought about getting into food makeup at all. <laughs> <laughs> there, well, there's there, there's a whole uh, uh, career of doing that. I know this. That's what we, I was asking. Yeah. I, I, I have a friend that works at Skip. They got to do ad marketing. I could uh, put you in touch with them. No, those hamburgers talk way, uh, way too much. Yeah. Yeah. Too much talk back from those smash burgers. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? Hmm. Oh, fingernails on a chalkboard. And yeah. Can't stand that. Uh, what's a chalkboard in it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, typewriter. Look, young man. Uh, it's a keyboard, yes. Typewriter, yeah. Of course, yeah. Uh, what's your favorite curse word? Beep. Uh, uh, you can swear we're explicit. <laughs> Oh no! Just wow! God, these are hard. When you really screw up and you're doing something, you know my favorite curse word is. (laughs) Everybody's saying it now because of me, Shazbod. (laughs) I think we might inherit that one as well. Do you know what that's from? I I don't know. Mork and Mindy. I was going to say it's from Mork and Mindy. Is it not? I say it all the time, and now like people around me who are with me around all the time. They they say it from (laughs) Shazbod. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Chef, cook. Yeah. Yeah. And last one that I know that I can remember, you are at the pearly gates. God has granted you access. What is the first thing you want to hear him say? Uh, I can make you look 30 pounds lighter. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. 
I was over the makeup tables over here. Okay. <laughs> here is your own grand studio for Miles. Play with whatever you want. Um, I, Jimmy, is there anything else you want to throw at this guy? Throw at Doug before he walks. Um, we didn't talk much about horror movies. Oh, but we might have to want. do a whole separate episode on horror and makeup <laughs> yeah. or something. It would be very lovely point. to have you back. Sure, I would love to come back. <laughs> I yeah, I I think the amount of information and knowledge and history that you have is definitely a three-part series at okay. minimum because so. on that topic i was gonna say just, just a little piece um i know it's not a movie but um, it's okay we slum in tv yeah work. we slum in tv once in a while but like the walking dead that's been going on for mm-hmm. a decade mm-hmm. that has to be pushing the limits of gore and interesting ways to destroy people and oh, you know what are your feelings totally. on that uh you know as i've gotten older like i I actually find it a little violent, <laughs> you know. <laughs> As and, do I. Yeah. And you know what's really funny is uh, a couple of years ago at Halloween, um, AMC was playing uh, Friday Thirteenth movies, like a yeah. And then in the evening they were showing The Walking Dead, and in the original Friday the Thirteenth, there's a scene where Kevin Bacon is lying in the bed and he gets the arrow through, through the back the throat. of the yeah. And they cut it. Oh. And and it was like. 11 in the morning and wow that's really weird they cut that out and then at night at 7 o'clock on The Walking Dead they showed some guy getting his head chopped off like what and I was like I don't understand the rationale time (laughs) you know with that well it definitely is time of day based on the network knowing who's tuning in but those both of those things are fairly one's more worse than the other yeah what I found interesting that I had heard about The Walking Dead and the uh, the costuming and makeup there is that there's the generic zombie, but they really start getting specific onto this person died this way, and yeah. this is what would result from that. Yeah, and that and it, was kind of neat. It's really cool, and it's also uh, neat to watch. I, I, I'm not a, uh, uh, I don't watch it all the time. Um, my wife's like just totally loves it and watch it all the time. But um, what's really cool is I think it's been on TV for what ten years or something. Yeah, if something not like more. But it's it's actually only I think three or four years in the actual story, mm-hmm. um, you can see the zombies from season one to season 10 and how they're slowly decomposing. decomposing. Like, it's really cool. Yeah. So they look... Like oh, so they've the taken zombies, that into consideration. The zombies from season one look Fresh. very different <laughs> from the zombies in season 10. It's And it's really cool. And the other really neat thing about that, if you guys don't know this little bit of trivia, is they will, on some episodes, they will take a well-known zombie or cadaver creature from another movie and they will do a homage to them and put them in it just as a zombie walking by. So they've done like Jack from American World from London or Bub from, uh, I can't remember which, uh, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, whatever movie. I don't know. Do you guys remember who Bub is? I, I... I know what you're getting at. This I don't is know yours, Jimmy. Is, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> yeah. Um. Really? So get your little Google machine out there, young man. <laughs> just put Bob in and see what happens. But I'm just gonna. I'm gonna pen a letter to somebody and see if we can get a response. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I really like that they do that, and then they're they're paying homage to you know to the earlier. That's great. Zombies and, and in a great way to do it too. If you're gonna make up a hundred people. Oh, looking from Day like of that. the Dead. Yeah. Day of the Dead. Yeah. yeah. Oh, now he gets it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I, I really like that. I would find that show really hard to work on because, um, well, one, because the days would probably be really long or whatever, but to actually try and come up with zombies and different zombies now would be, 
that'd be difficult. Well, like I noticed that the zombies in like Romero's movies are all very slow moving, and then slowly, like through the two thousands, they made them faster. Yeah, I love and, that. Like, yeah, me really too. Cool. It's actually scary, and it's, yeah. I don't know. It has the crap a, out of me. a state of suspense to a chase scene, yeah. whereas an impending doom. Okay, we all know what's going to happen at the end, but let's see them have to work a little bit, right? Yeah, it's like now that, to me, like the zombies and the Walking Dead or Walkers, whatever you want to call them, um, they're almost like um, like roaches or ants or something that are just kind of bothersome. Yes. As opposed to if you watch the remake of Dawn of the Dead where they're running yeah. and yeah. World War Z, like... and and A wall of zombies. A wall of zombies. And the makeups in World War Z... Or Zed, sorry, Canadian. Um, <laughs> they are so cool looking. They're really, really neat looking, and they're totally different from how other zombies are, are portrayed on I screen. I am legend. I am legend. Uh, um, uh, so I really like that, but I love that they're fast moving. It makes yeah. it so scary. Get your heart going. Yeah. Yeah. They're real antagonists as opposed to just, Background. like you said, a, a nuisance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, they're, cool. they're actually scary. Yeah. Well, I would, I, I, I know I can do another two hours of just horror <laughs> and prosthetic. Like we can, we can deep dive into everything that you've talked about. Do you want to know what's really funny though yes. about me? I've done a ton of horror movies and whatnot. It's not my really favorite genre. Sorry. <gasps> what is blasphemy? I, I would, I would much rather watch Amadeus. I was going to say so period, period, period pieces. pieces. Well, character makeups, period pieces, not so much period pieces. Characters, character makeups, um, in terms of that kind of stuff. And so it was filmed in Vancouver. Amadeus? Yeah. No, no, no that was wait. shot in Prague. That was shot. Ah. Okay, but you did you did I misunderstand? Did you work on that or no? Dick Smith did. Dick Smith. Okay, sorry. Yeah, we're going. Dick back to actually the sent me uh, prosthetics from Amadeus Sweet. that I got to study and. Yeah, so I took like a million pictures of them with my old 35 millimeter camera, and I had to get the film developed. But really cool. <laughs> were yeah. they in focus? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there it is. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yes, they were. Yeah. Well, um, uh, thank you so much for From, taking for having me. I, this was mind-blowingly great to just learn about the, a, a, a pocket of how the whole thing happens, and a very important pocket, nonetheless, because Thanks, you. I, you're, I've I've seen some of your work. I've watched. I've I've seen Dog's Purpose. Um, I've I the I can't wait for Tales from the Loop. That's neither can I. Yeah. That's that was that was that's a. I think that's a real big thing for Manitoba. Mm-hmm. That, that I you should have seen the the one of the sets was just incredible. Was like it the nothing. one at Birds Hill or was it the one that oh no. was one in oh, one, one in, in studio? Yeah, I'm not gonna say give it away. <laughs> no, but, yeah, no, I but yeah. nothing like this has ever been built or made or seen in Manitoba before and it was right on it was really cool on that yeah. note as we sign off let us know what things we can see your work in that are going to be coming out soon like that yeah so yeah Tales from the Loop which I think starts airing in April and I have a movie that I did last year called Run with uh, Sarah Paulson uh, I didn't you. do her makeup uh, she had a personal makeup artist uh, who's really amazing um Aaron Kruger McCash, who's been nominated for like I'm not kidding, like 35 Emmys, and Ooh. just Ooh. lovely woman. Um, but yeah, movie uh, called Run, Sarah Paulson, and this new actress Kira Allen. The trailer looks so crazy. Yeah, oh, it's it's just a really messed up story. Have you guys seen the trailer I have at all? Not. No, I haven't. Get, tell them this. I, I will butcher it. So if you want to, <laughs> uh, how do I? I 
I, how do you say it without giving away anything? Basically, there's a mom and she's just really messed up. Yeah, that would <laughs> that's be all easy. I want to yeah. say right it's now. A, it's the darkest relationship that you could have with a mother and daughter. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, but, so that uh, comes out Mother's Day or Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, weekend. that does. Mother's yeah. Day. Yeah. Yeah. There we yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. No, that's why. That's why it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just yeah, in the next few months, those are the things that I have that you'll be able to see. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I will put all of your stuff up with the episode so people can go check out some of your work that you've done. We'll, Great. We'll link everything to that so cool. that everybody can see how fantastic of a job you do in, oh, thank you. in this crazy industry. Thanks. Um, for everybody out there, if this is your first time listening to us, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Real Debaters. Uh, if you want to send an email in regarding this show or any other show, uh, it's uh, the Real Debaters at Gmail, the Real Debaters Podcast at Gmail dot com. I'm gonna fuck that up. Until, God damn it! Yeah, no. that's why no one <laughs> emails okay. us. I think <laughs> give well, them a different email every time. Yeah. <laughs> There's probably some email account with the wrong one. You keep saying that's just full of emails. Bro, bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, so the Real Debaters Podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, you can follow. Uh, you can check out our merch page. We've got new merch. Uh, so it's uh, designed by humans. Designed by humans dot com slash shop slash the prop shop because we were funny like that. Mm-hmm. That'd be a great title. Uh, besides <laughs> that, uh, I've been Michael Petro, Mark Cowell, Jimmy Skinner, and our fucking amazing special guest Doug Morrow. <laughs> Thank you. 